Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What would life be like if you really believe that, that anything is possible? Can we thank our worship team? You guys are so amazing. Anything is possible. Uh, I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands in the air if you're comfortable. And I want you to repeat something after me. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what it is. You're gonna have to just trust your pastor. I'm not gonna make you say something crazy, but I want you to repeat this after me. I want you to say it loud and with authority. I want you to say, it is okay for me to be happy. It is okay for me to be happy. If you believe that, say amen. Give somebody a high five. Make your way down to your seat. It is okay for you to be happy. And the word the word happy, the word happiness, gets a little bit of a bad rap, you know, in church and Christianity, they'll say things like, oh, you know, happiness is bad, it's really joy we should be after, and you know, and I get all that, I've even preached that before myself, so, but just know that when I'm saying happy tonight, I mean joy, I mean, I'm, they're both the same for the sake of this message, and I wanna, I, I'm believing tonight with all of my heart that God wants, it was pretty crazy, actually, um, Miguel, I don't know where he went, he's already gone, wow, but, um, you know, he kind of started that song and kind of brought up something heavy, like if you guys have, have lost a loved one. And I was like, oh, wow, it's kind of out of left field. But literally, I felt tonight as I was preparing this message and praying on my way up here that God wants to break a spirit of heaviness over this campus. And I want you to know that it is okay for you to be happy. It is okay for you to be happy. Blaise Pascal was a mathematician many years ago um, and a, a Christian, a believer, and a, a philosopher. And he said something um, that has stuck with me my whole life. He said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. All men seek happiness. It is wired inside of you to want to be happy. And somewhere along the line, we, we bought this lie that the Christian life, a, a life devoted to God is a life of solidarity and, and being stoic and, you know, beating down your flesh and, and just being self-disciplined and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and waking up and reading the Bible even though you hate it and praying even though you hate it, but you know you're supposed to. And I'm telling you, that's not it. That's not it. It is okay for you to be 
happy. And I'm telling you, you're going to leave here happier than when you came in. I'm declaring it. I believe it. Come on, smile. Smile. Remind your face that you're saved. It's important. I want to just, um, I want to touch on a couple things, and then just read a a really interesting story in the Bible that really outlines this. And then I want to just spend some time as a campus just praying and reminding ourselves that it's okay to be happy. Is that good with you guys? Cool. I want to be happy. I don't know if you guys do, but I do. It is okay for you to want to be happy. It's okay to be happy. It's also okay to want to be happy. Your longing to be happy is wired into you by God himself. The original intent in the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve happy, walking in perfect, I mean, listen, this is every man's dream. He's naked with his wife in a garden, and God says, do whatever you want. And Adam's like, this is sweet. I'm into this. Okay, I like this. Literally, the original design of the Garden of Eden, God's intent and design with us as humans was for us to be happy. God only gave one command that was a no. Every other command was yes. Literally, be fruitful and multiply means go do whatever you want. Just do it really well and do it a lot. Literally, the world is your oyster. Do whatever you want. There was only one prohibitive command, and it was don't eat of this tree. But the only reason God gave that command was because he knew that eating of the tree would steal their happiness. The whole thing was about happiness and joy and being fulfilled and walking in communion with God. That's the whole design. And the lie that Adam and Eve bought was that there was actually access to more happiness that God was withholding from them. The whole thing is about happiness and fulfillment and joy. The whole thing. This life. The Westminster Catechism, which is this um, sort of bunch of church people a long time ago all got together and said, hey, what do we actually believe? And the very beginning of it says that the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is your job as a human being is to enjoy God. Enjoy in joy, happiness. That's what it's all about. Seeking happiness is not sinful. Seeking it outside of God or in defiance of God is. But seeking happiness is not sinful. God is not mad at you when you try to find ways to be happy. Okay, He actually desires it. It is his good pleasure when you are happy and fulfilled and filled with joy. To say, just go with me for a second. This might get a little weird. I'm not sure. Um, I want happiness. I desire happiness. That's very different than saying, I want a carne asada taco. They're very different. Because when you say, I want a carne asada taco, you're saying that because you believe that a carne asada taco will make you happy. That's why you want it. Everybody knows that's true. Come on. Somebody say amen. So it's your actually, your desire for this morsel of goodness is because you believe 
It will lead you to happiness, even if momentary, even if just for a minute. That's what it's about. The reason you want the taco is to be happy. It's different. When you say, I want happiness, what you're really saying is, I want to be happy. When you say, I want a taco, you're not saying, I want to be a taco. If you are actually saying that, we are going to pray for you. We're going to get, we're going to break, you're meant to be a human, okay? You're not meant to be a taco, okay? It's the reason we desire happiness is because it is a state of existence. It's not a thing to be desired. It's not an object. It's not a, it's not a taco. It's not a burrito. It's not a vacation. Happiness is a state of existence, and it's a state of existence that God created you for, hardwired you for. It is okay for you to be happy. C.S. Lewis said, it is a Christian duty, as you know, for everyone to be as happy as he can. I want to read you a story um, out of, uh, this is why I love the one-year Bible, because I just, I read stuff that I just, you know, I just have somehow missed over the last 20 years. And we were in Israel, and I read this story, and so it was a couple months ago, and I just was like, there's something in it, something about reading it on that day in that place. I don't know what it was. and just jumped out at me, and I want to read that story to you. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 14, if you want to come with me in your Bibles. Um, it'll be on the screen behind me. We're going to read in um, chapter, uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 24. I want to give you just a little bit of context, because it's a little um, kind of hard to get oriented if you don't know what's going on. So Saul is the king of Israel. He has a son named Jonathan, okay? And this is the point in Saul's reign where he is just out taking territory, kicking butt, and just trying to expand the kingdom of Israel. He's at war all the time, okay? Jonathan, his son, is an excellent soldier, an excellent warrior. And so Jonathan, a little bit before what we're about to read, has gone out with his armor bearer, and he just says, you know what? I'm going to go kick some Philistine butt. And so he just is out just trying to find people to fight. I like Jonathan. He's a, he's a scrapper. And he's just literally out there with his armor bearer just like, give me somebody to fight. So he's actually not with the army. He's off doing his own thing with his armor bearer, okay? So that's where we pick it up. And so again, everybody's at war. Saul is on the, on the rampage trying to, you know, take down the enemies. And so that's where we're going to jump into 1 Samuel 14, starting in verse 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all of the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people um, had come into the woods, uh, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of his rod that was in his hand, dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand in his mouth, and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, curse is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, so the people were very faint. What a crazy little story. What a weird little thing about eating honey and being happy. But I love the story because for a church like ours, 
that is always on mission and on assignment, and we are, and it's a good thing. Like, that's one of the things I love the most about our church is we have a vision for 16 campuses all around San Diego so that nobody can live in San Diego and be more than 20 minutes away from a Bible-believing, life-filled, life-giving, spirit-filled church. And we are on mission to do that. That's why we talk about taking territory all the time, and everybody gets in a big hissy fit because we say taking territory. It's like, that's what we're on mission to do. To, to, Jesus said to pray um, that heaven would come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as believers is to see earth look a little bit more like heaven every single day. When you have a church like ours that's constantly on mission, on assignment, sometimes, sometimes you can forget to just have a little fun along the way. Okay? And listen to what the story says, and I love this. And, and the, the crux of it is in 1 Samuel 14, verse 30. Jonathan says, How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found? For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? So Saul gives this charge to his people, like nobody's eating. We're all fasting until nightfall because I will have vengeance on my enemies. And so they're all just like, okay, I mean, this is so serious and we're just focused. We gotta, and how, I mean, it's a really bad idea. I mean, come on, soldiers need calories, Saul. This is a terrible idea. You know, we gotta keep the blood sugar up. They gotta be, and so they're faint and they're, and you know, God is still with them. And so that, you know, they, they win the battle. But Jonathan says, how much better would it have been if they just ate some of the honey? If they would have just eaten some of the spoil of the land, their countenance would have brightened and they would have been, we would have seen a much greater slaughter of the Philistines that day. It is okay for you to be happy. It is okay for you to be happy. And I wanna give you guys just three super quick points. I just wanna spend some time praying for us as a campus that we would break any spirit of heaviness over um, us, over our lives. And if you have found yourself unable to have fun, unable to enjoy life, feeling like just, you know, you're just in the, in the battle and the struggle and it just doesn't feel like there's joy, it doesn't feel like there's moments of happiness, that we're gonna break that off of your life. We're gonna break it off of your life because it's a spirit of heaviness. It's not supposed to be like that the Christian life is not meant for you to trudge through every day hoping that heaven's coming soon because this life sucks. That's not it. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life, life, and have it more abundantly. That's what it should look like. If you can't look at your life and say, gosh, I feel like I am rolling in the abundance of God, then there is a spirit of heaviness on you that we must break off. Couple of quick points. Point number one, enjoy your city. Enjoy your city. The title of my message is, what do I call it? Enjoy the spoils. There we go, enjoy the spoils. Point number one, enjoy your city. How sad would it be if you spend your whole life, you know, just laboring in prayer and, and, you know, serving the church and taking territory and doing all the things. And, you know, we, you get to the end of your life and there's a hundred awakened campuses in San Diego and you never enjoyed the city that you helped change. You never got to eat of the honey of the land like Jonathan did. Remember, the honey that Jonathan tasted was honey in land that they had conquered. He's saying this is a spoil of the warfare that we have been waging. We should enjoy it. Go and enjoy this city. 
This is the city that God has put us in charge of stewarding, the south region of San Diego. God has entrusted to us. How sad would it be if we never took the time to just enjoy the city? It looks different for everybody, you know, whatever. Maybe for you, it's going out and doing the fine dining thing. Maybe you want to go hike. Maybe you want to go to the beach. I don't know. I don't care. Go and enjoy the city. It will remind you what you're actually fighting for. Katie and I went out yesterday. I surprised her because I'm just, you know, an amazing husband, just always thinking of you and, you know, always on my mind and so I surprised her with, um, with a, a date, and I rented a big sailboat, and we went sailing yesterday. And it was um, just the most, I would say it was probably my favorite day of all of 2023 so far. It was just the most amazing day we had together. The, I mean, it was like it, sailing stuff. It was perfect. Eight knots of wind, just the most perfectly consistent. And normally in San Diego, this is why I know God loves me. Normally in San Diego, and I've sailed on the bay 5,000 times, okay? I know the bay backwards and forwards. The wind always blows the exact same way. It always goes right down the bay towards the, towards the Coronado Bridge, always. So in sailing, it's like when you go downwind, when the wind's behind you and blowing you this way, it's super boring because it's just like you put your sails on, it's like a big kite, and you're just literally getting pushed, and it's not very fun. Sailing upwind is a lot more fun. And so you're sailing into the wind and the wind's blowing and the boat's leaning over and it's just a lot more fun. But when you're trying to get back to where we come from, back where the boat is from, you have to sail directly upwind, which you can't do. You can't sail straight into the wind. So you have to zigzag all the way back. It takes forever to beat down. But yesterday, the wind was blowing from a different direction. Never happens. And so we got to just cruise all the way back to the marina. It was amazing. But we were so reminded of how amazing this city is. We were sailing by the midway and just were thinking like, gosh, how, you know, helicopters were flying over us, just thinking like, this is a military town. How blessed are we that we get to live in a town where men and women have said, you know what, I'm going to give my life significant portions of the youth of my life to protect this country, to fight for this country. And so, you know, we were sailing by the midway, and we talked about that for a little bit. And then we were just looking at all the buildings as the sun was setting, the light was just bouncing off of the buildings. It looked like the city was literally glowing. And we were just like in awe of how much we love San Diego. We love this city. We love the city. Do you love this city? And if the answer is maybe, I'm not sure, have you taken the time to get to know it? Have you taken the time to get to know this city? You're called as a believer to this region for a specific assignment. Like it is our job to see San Diego one for Jesus Christ. Do you love this city? Do you take the time to enjoy this city? Psalm 115 verse 16 says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. That's us, by the way. The earth he has given to us to enjoy, to find happiness within. Have you gotten so wrapped up in the mission and the assignment and the, you know, the next, next, um, you know, next month's coming with the bills and the da-da-da, where you just actually haven't taken the time to enjoy this city? I want to challenge you, whatever it looks like. You know, if you're balling on a budget, great. You can do, the beach is free, by the way. I don't know if you know that. The beach is free. Sunshine is free. Hiking trails are free. There's a lot of really awesome stuff you can do in California for free. 
Not buy gas, that one's not free, that's expensive in California. But there's a lot of stuff you can do for free. Doesn't matter where you find yourself financially, there are amazing things to do. San Diego has some of the best restaurants in the world. I remember Pastor Jurgen when um, Matt and Loren, pastors Matt and Loren Tuggle were being commissioned and sent off to the Salt Lake City campus. We all had a dinner and you know, it was, it was in San Diego before they moved. And I remember, I'll never forget it, um, Pastor Jurgen was praying for pastors Matt and Loren, um, again, about to move to a whole new city that they'd, you know, never been to and like, and like pastor church, kind of pretty big, pretty big thing to dive into. And I remember Pastor Jurgen praying for them and, um, and he just kind of said out of nowhere, uh, the best of the city is reserved for you. The best of the city is reserved for you. And I just, that always stuck with me that the best of the city, if, if, if we're the men and women who are gonna be courageous, who are gonna give our lives to the cause of Christ in San Diego, why would a good father not reserve the best of the city for us? The best of the city is reserved for you. Have you taken the time to go and enjoy it? Point number two, take the time to dream. Take the time to dream. I don't know if you guys know Dr. Matt Hubbard, um, one, of the, one of the people that Katie and I got to know first here at the church who just like flipped our world upside down. You know, we came from this um, very religious church in Texas that was, you know, no fun allowed. It was the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Um, and like, you know, we, we just, we, we marched through the book of Luke and it, you know, it's going to take us 12 years. We're going verse by verse every single Sunday. And, um, and you know, it's a good, good church. I don't want to like bash that church because we, you know, that's where like I got saved in that church. So like I have a, a very soft spot in my heart for that church. But I will tell you when we moved out here, I will never forget our very first Christmas. So we found, moved out here in September of 2012, um, found Awaken in March of 2013. And so nine months of going to Awaken and, and it was our first Christmas season in 2013. And so, you know, we were still newer, but it started to make some friends. And, um, and so we got a couple of Christmas cards in the mail, as you do around Christmas time. Everybody sends out cards with their family and all the things. And, um, and I'll never forget, we, we had two Christmas cards, one from a couple that we knew really well back at our old church in Texas, um, and then another card from Dr. Matt and Michaela Hubbard. And we, oh, it's so nice. And so we opened, you know, the one from the friends in Texas, and it was literally like something like, you know, in this fallen world, may the sovereign Lord Jesus send his peace upon you in the, the chaos and the turmoil this Christmas season, you may find rest and refuge for your soul or something like that. I was like, wow, okay. And then we open up Dr. Matt and Michaela's and it was like, what's up everybody? Hope you're living Hubbard style, chilling, living your best life and bathing in prosperity. God bless you, Merry Christmas. And we were just like, yeah, this one's, this one's better, we want this one. It is okay for you to be happy. I remember Dr. Matt was the first one that walked Katie and I through this exercise. And it's like, it's, the, it's, it's eye-opening, okay? If you ever want to take a second and do this, and I, I think it's 60 seconds. I don't know if you remember. 60 seconds, you take a blank sheet of paper and a writing utensil. You put 60 seconds on the clock and say go. And as soon as the timer starts, you write down anything you would like out of your life if money or time was no object. 
That seems like the easiest thing in the world. You would be really surprised that it is really hard because you are so limited in your thinking that you're just, it literally, like Dr. Matt, like I got through like the first time I went through it and it was like I had three things. He literally looked at me and said, you're constipated. <laughs> it's like, whoa, take it easy. Don't prophesy, sir. And he just, I, again, I don't remember, if, I think it was 60 seconds. And he said, if you can't in 60 seconds write down 20 things at least, then your brain is not in a place of being able to dream. To dream means, let me, like, if, if there are no limitations, no limitations, if, I, if, if money is no object, if time is no object, if, if my current obligations are no object, can you actually let your mind go there? It's one of the things that Katie and I love to do. We did it on the sailboat. We were sitting there on the sailboat, just cruising around, and we just started to dream. And it looks like this. It's not crazy. It's not like some like, weird, mystical thing. Literally, here's how we do it. We pick something. Vacation. Hey, any trip in the world, any trip, money's no object. We could go for as long as we want, as short as we want. Where would you want to go? Anywhere. And we just kind of start talking. It's like, oh, man, you know, look, Bora Bora. They have those, like, you know, little tiki huts where the bottoms are glass and you're out over the water. How cool would that be? And we just start talking about, you know, like, gosh, I don't know anything about, like, you know, Spain or Portugal. Maybe that's cool. I don't know. And, and we just literally start talking about what we would do if money was no object, if we could do anything in the world we wanted. And it just gets you, you'll find yourself just, like, just energized. Then we'll, we'll talk about our kids. We'll say, hey, what do you think Zeke and Evie will be doing in 20 years? And we just start, and Leon, he doesn't count yet because he's still a little baby, but, you know. Anyway, he, count, he, he counts. That's not, okay, anyway. <laughs> Strike that from the podcast, and here we go. Anyway, where will our kids be in 20 years? And we just start to dream, like, gosh, I don't know, you know, Zeke, like, maybe he'll be, he's super into sports now, maybe he'll, da, da, maybe, where, where do you think he would want to go to college? Do you think he would want to go to college? And we just start dreaming about the future of our kids. We dream about you guys, about the church, and we'll just say, hey, five years from now, what do you think it'll look like? Do you think we'll have, you know, like a campus in West Chula Vista? Do you think we'll have a campus in San Ysidro? Do you think we'll be, will we have a Cabo campus? Come on, somebody, praise the Lord. Come on, shambadadabashik, just kidding. Prophesy. I'll be on the launch team for that one. And just, we just start to dream. And my question for you is, when was the last time you did something like that? And just let your mind slip into what a limitless God can do. We just sang about it. Anything is possible. We sit there with our hands lifted and we wave and we sing. Do you actually believe it? If you really believe it, you should be able to just spout off 50 things that you would do. If anything really is possible, what would it be? What would it be if anything was possible? I want to challenge you to take the time with your spouse or if you're with yourself, whatever, just in your prayer time and dream, dream. What could life look like if there were no limitations? I know I've told this story before, but it, it just, it, it's a crazy story of a man named Cliff Young. And Cliff Young was this 61-year-old sheep herder from Australia. And there's a race, a, a, a running race that goes from Sydney, Australia to Melbourne, and it's about 500 miles, and people run it, okay? So those people are sick and have issues, <laughs> but whatever. And, there, you know, it's like this crazy extreme, you know, like ultra marathon or thing, and people show up, and they're like sponsored by Nike and some of the greatest ultra marathoners in the world that go to run this race. Cliff Young is, was, is back in 1992, uh, was 61 years old and a sheep herder by trade. 
And so there was a big famine um, and economic uh, downturn in Australia. So he actually had to sell his little quad, you know, thing that he rode around to herd the sheep. And so for years, he literally would herd the sheep by just running around. And he, for all day, for eight hours, he would just be like, I'm gonna get over here, get over here. And then would run over this way, come on. And that's how he herded his sheep, he just would run. So he's 61 years old and he hears about this race. He's like, well, I mean, I run all day, so maybe I'll give it a shot. So Cliff, Lung, Cliff Young shows up to this race and he's wearing, true story, he's wearing rubber rain boots, like fisherman's trousers and like a flannel button down. And, you know, they're like, he shows up at the starting line, like, oh, hey, man, you're here to volunteer? That's awesome of you. Hey, and he's like, no, 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 you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run. And they're like, uh, okay, um, sure. You know, the locker room is over there if you'd like to change into your running gear. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm good. And so they're like, all right, man, sure, whatever. So Cliff Young, 61-year-old sheep herder in his rubber rain boots, pleated trousers and a flannel button down stands at the starting line with all these people in their, you know, short shorts like here, their neon yellow Nike runners and the, the gun goes off and everybody starts running. And the way the race goes, it's 500 miles. It's just the first person who finishes. And it's just part of the strategy is, okay, you know, I'm going to run 50 miles and I'm going to sleep two hours and I run 30 miles. I'm going to sleep four hours. And I'm going to eat this many calories. And I'm going to, that's a big part of the race is the gamesmanship of how you break it up and Big part of the strategy. And so it normally takes about five-ish days to complete the race, okay? And like literally up until this point, like every year, you know, like someone would break the world record, but they would literally shave off like two minutes from the world record time. So it would be like, you know, five days, three hours, eight minutes, and then the next year, five days, three hours, and six minutes was the new world record. So starting line, gun goes off, everybody starts running, and Cliff Young in his rubber rain boots, in his pleated pants, and his flannel button down, just starts running like this. And they call it in Australia, they call it the Cliffy Shuffle. And he just runs like this. And after day one, Cliff Young is in dead last. Well, you know, days go by. It's a big deal in Australia, okay? It's like a really, really big race. Day three of the race, somebody calls the finish line and says, hey, y'all need to get down there. Somebody's about to win this race. And like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's Tuesday. It's not gonna happen until at least Thursday or Friday. And they were like, no, no, no. Like someone's like really making some headway on this race. Y'all gotta get down there. And they're like, well, we're not ready. Like the, t- the, the TV crews, the equipment, we're not mobilized. And they're like, I'm telling you, you better get down there. You're gonna miss it. So the TV crews and all the news people, they, uh, and they get down to the finish line. And day three, Cliff Young crosses the finish line. And people are just like, like what in the world has just happened? People are, he's broken the world record by two days. A 61 year old sheep herder in rain boots and trousers. He literally crossed the finish line holding his false teeth because he he got frustrated because he said they would rattle while he was running. So he literally took him out and finished the race holding his false teeth. And they're like, Cliff, how did you do it? What, this is amazing. You know, oh my gosh, this is crazy. How did you do it? What was your strategy? When did you sleep? When did you eat? How'd you break it up? And Cliff looks at him and goes, oh, I didn't know we were supposed to stop. <laughs> this is a true story. Literally, he didn't know about all the rules and the way it's supposed to be. So he just ran for three days and shattered the world record by two days. You wanna know Why? because he didn't have the limiting mindsets of how it's supposed to work, how it's supposed to work. 
It's one of the hardest things you can do as a believer is shatter. Isaiah um, 8, chapter 11, in the, New, in the New Living Translation, I love this verse. It says, the Lord has issued me a strong warning not to think like everybody else. If you find yourself thinking like everybody else, God has issued a strong warning, a strong warning. What does it sound like when you give a strong warning to your kids? Hey, hey, stop. That's what it sounds like. God is saying, hey, don't think like everybody else. Don't do it. If you find yourself saying, here's how, that's how it works when you wanna buy a house. You know, you gotta have a debt to income ratio that's this and you gotta have this much cash set aside. Don't think like everybody else. Say, oh, the only way that you can own a business in, in San Diego is if you compromise and if you don't live in integrity and you do this, you do that. Don't think like everybody else. It's a strong warning from the Lord. Can you dream? Can you actually let your mind think about things with no limitations? Take the time to dream. And point number three, as we come to a close, love the worship team to come and join me. This one's a little weird. I want you to hear me out. Less binding, more prophesying. Less binding, more prophesying. You know, I'm thankful that we're part of a church that believes in deliverance, that there is real supernatural forces that want to destroy you. That is true. That's true. And we need to be able to bind them and cast them out for sure. And I don't want to for one minute dog on any of our deliverance, any of the work that we do. But I also don't want to forget that Paul says that the greatest gift the church has is prophecy. Paul literally says the greatest gift for the church is that we prophesy. We prophesy. And that sounds like a real, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I first came to this church, I'd never even heard that word before. And people at Awaken talk about it all the time. And I thought it was a little weird and it just sounds a little Spiro and like you, you know, you like tap into a, you know, like whatever, the supernatural Jedi force and God whispers things directly to you. And then you say, oh, thus says the Lord, you know, whatever, whatever. It's not that. That's not what the prophetic is. That's not what prophecy is. Paul gives very, very um, uh, direct guidance of what the prophetic looks like, okay? What the prophetic looks like. It's in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, verses one through three. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Or he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. I want our church to be a place where you come in and you can't walk five feet without somebody encouraging you without somebody, you know what exhort means? It sounds like a big fancy church word. Exhort literally means language that entices people to be courageous. So it's exhort and be courageous are basically the same thing. 
That's what it means. So literally, any Spanish speakers in the room? Come on, somebody. What does edificio mean? Building. Edification is the building of people. The prophetic, to prophesy, all it means is to build people up and encourage them. That's all it means, okay? It's not some crazy, like, you know, and, and there definitely is, like, I mean, like, you can get, like, what the Bible calls a word of knowledge, where you know something, God has revealed something to you that you shouldn't, you shouldn't know, and you share it, and it's powerful, and it's, and I've had a bunch, of, even, even today, Pastor Marco, like, was, and I, and I, I love that, um, and this is what it looks like in practice, the obedience of, Marco sent me a text, just like, hey, I know this is super weird. This morning, I was walking to my office and just Coronado popped in my brain. And here's what I thought. And he just started talking about some strategy things. Um, and it was really confirming to Katie and I, because we had actually just a couple weeks ago talked about some new things strategically we wanted to implement in Coronado. And it felt to us like such a confirmation because we hadn't talked to it. We hadn't talked about it to, to Marco. And Marco said a few things that were just like, okay, wow. Yes, okay, we're on the right track. So it definitely happens where there's moments where God will give words of knowledge to people, where they'll, they'll be able to communicate things that they shouldn't otherwise know. And yes, that happens. But a lot of times to prophesy just means to encourage, to build somebody up. It's to say, Jacob, I see in you a young man who's gonna do amazing things. You're gonna be a man that brings life to the next generation. That's what it looks like. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing kooky and weird, you know? And it's being obedient. Sometimes you have to just kind of step out in faith. I remember um, there was a, a guy that used to come to this campus a bit ago. He's moved away, so that's why I can, I can tell this story. And um, he came up to me, and he was so confident, so confident. He looked at me, and he just said, I just, there's that men's prayer. He goes, the Lord is speaking to me for you, Mike, the number six. There's something about the number six, and I'm telling you, the number six. So you, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean something to you, da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Okay, great awesome. And like a week later, he comes up to me. He's like, come on, tell me what happened with like the number six. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. Nothing yet. You know, I don't, he's like, okay, well, it's, you know, it's good. And to be honest with you, nothing really ever happened, but I just admired so much just his courage to just to be a man. And, and you know, the irony is it actually really encouraged me because of his faith. And literally what God spoke to me through it was I want to be more courageous and go out on a limb and not care if I get it wrong and not care if I, you know, stumble through it a little bit. The Bible says of Samuel that God didn't let a single word of Samuel's fall to the ground. I love that verse because what it means is even when Samuel messed it up, even when Samuel stepped out of the anointing, maybe got a little too proud or a little too scared and said something he wasn't supposed to say, the Bible says that God never let a single one of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Never let a single one of Samuel, Samuel's words fall to the ground. And so I just like, I respected this guy because he just went for it, went out on a limb. And again, the great irony is it encouraged me. It worked. Even though he was wrong, it worked. <laughs> I remember one time, um, you guys know Pastor Mike Maiden, very amazing. Um, he's gonna be at Awaken Conference. Uh, he is <clears throat> very anointed um, prophet, like for real, and says things about your life. And you're like, okay, I'm freaked out. It's amazing. And I remember he um, was uh, prophesying over um, this young lady named Jaden Valdez who sings a lot of the songs for Awakened Music, but he kept calling her Sophia for some reason. He got confused because he had just prophesied over another person named Sophia. And, you know, he's like getting a little older. And so I was just like, oh, well, you know, 
just kind of got a little confused, no big deal. So he's talking to Sophia, even though her name is Jaden, and um, saying some amazing things or whatever. Well, then I see Jaden later on, and she she's like, oh my gosh, it's that was the craziest thing ever. And I'm like, why? She says, because Sophia means divine wisdom. And I literally have just, just had an encounter with God a couple days ago where he gave me this big download on divine wisdom. It was just this beautiful, you know, really cool thing. So I go to Pastor Mike Maiden, who's just like as cool as a cucumber. And I was like, man, Pastor Mike, I gotta tell you a really cool story. You know, you were prophesying over this girl. Her name's actually Jaden, but you messed it up, you know, and you're calling him Sophia. But it was really cool because of da da da. And literally he just so, he, he looked at me and he goes, huh, even when I'm wrong, I'm right. like, okay, you're a boss. Anyway, I want you to hop to your feet. I want us to be the kind of campus that always, always is encouraging, always exhorting one another, always comforting one another. Here's what prophecy is not. The Lord has spoken to me that terminal cancer is going to come on your life, and if you don't repent right now, then God's going to bring just, that's not it. Somebody says that to you, Go get a security guard, okay? That's bad news. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is meant to encourage and to edify, to build up. I want it to be said of our campus. I literally, I can't, anytime I go to that campus, I have five people at least that just come and encourage me. Say, hey, you're a champion. You're a soldier. You're a man of God. You're a warrior. You're an overcomer. You're a curse breaker. I see you breaking curses in your family, man. You're gonna, anything that was, that bound your fathers and your grandfather, I see you breaking free of it. I see your kids years from now saying, it was my daddy. I'm so proud of my daddy because my daddy was the one that broke. I want it to be said of our campus that that happens all the time, that you can't walk five feet without somebody saying something encouraging to you. And just as we close, I wanna do this really, really quickly. Right now, if you're, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you are in this room and you know that there is a spirit of heaviness that is resting on you, I want you to just lift your hand up right now. This isn't meant to embarrass you or anything like that. I want you to have an honest moment before God where if there's a spirit of heaviness and you find yourself not able to enjoy life, not able to be happy on a very regular and consistent basis, you should be happy as a Christian a lot. And so if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to just take a second. I want to pray for you. And I believe, I believe, I believe that God is going to break that spirit over your life. I believe you're going to physically feel different. When I say amen, you're going to feel something like a weight is lifted off of your shoulder. You're going to leave this place with your, your shoulders back, your chest out, your head held high, knowing that you're a child of God. Heavenly Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come against a spirit of heaviness that would seek to oppress your people, to bind your people, to keep them in captivity, to prevent them from stepping out into their God destiny, into the assignment, into enjoying enjoying the life that you've given us. King David said that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, that even in the midst of the battle and the warfare and the fighting, that there's a table prepared for you, a table where you can sit down and enjoy a meal with friends, that there's peace at the table, there's safety at the table. And right now I just declare over every hand lifted, a new level of joy, a new level of happiness is coming in to your life right now. I wanna take a second, I wanna just spend some time worshiping and singing. We're gonna do it really quick, but I want you to, to praise your way to breakthrough. I want you to praise your way to, to that spirit of heaviness breaking. The reason that the tribe of Judah has been, that the Jews, the Jewish people, have been the most oppressed people all throughout history. You know what Judah means? Judah 
means praise. Judah means praise. God, the devil has been trying to snuff out the praise out of this earth. It's praise that will lead you into happiness. It's praise that will send you into joy. So I want to take a couple minutes and just praise God. Let's all do it together and sing right now. Come on. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.